Hello, this is Pastor Mo, Senior Pastor at First Baptist Church of Broussard. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to these messages. My hope is that this sermon will be a benefit to your spiritual growth and that you will prayerfully take to heart the contents of this week's message. I also encourage you to pull up the accompanying sermon notes and follow along as you listen. If you have any questions or would like to follow up after the sermon, feel free to contact me or our staff here at First Baptist Broussard. May God bless you as we begin this week's sermon. During the Depression, my grandfather went hungry around this table. Before leaving for Vietnam, my uncle ate one of his last meals in America around this table. This table has paid host to everything from Christmas dinners to grandma's bridge tournaments to arguments about politics and sports. This table has had Grace prayed over it before meals, fists pounded on it, Tears cried over it, and babies spit upon it. The gospel has been shared, lives have been touched, and close friends become close family at this table. Four generations of children have had to sit at this table till they ate all their vegetables. One of them just last week. This table has a story. This table is a story, and the story doesn't end anytime soon. not used to walking with uh, the refuge. I just have a mic I get to walk around with, so this is a little different for me. Make sure it's on. Um, Pastor Moog has been looking at, at our nation and our country being so divided. And the series he's been working on is, is how do we become undivided? How, how are we united? And it's been a great series because he's really challenged us in our changing our own attitudes because as Christians, it falls to us to be the ones who bridge the gaps. We are the ones who are commanded to go out and to reach out. Not to wait for the world to come to us and then we make changes. And so it starts with us having the right attitude as people come in the doors. People are having the right um, uh, hunger to see people come to know Christ. Right? And I, this has probably been one of my favorite series, and Pastor, you, you preached a lot of good ones, but this undivided one, I've really enjoyed the, the, the change because what we need as a church is a change of mindset. And my goal today is to, to give you some, some practical steps in how you can take the idea of being undivided to reach out across lines by using your dinner table. And so my goal is that you will walk out of here thinking about people you can invite to come to dinner. Because I don't know about you, but I grew up around a dinner table. I grew up sitting where, you know, and having to wait till all my vegetables were eaten. I can still remember my mom fussing at me three more bites of peas. Come on, just get three. Uh, well, you know, pick it up. Is this this count? Like two peas on my spoon, right? That's a bite. She's like, no, let's get at least five on there. Many of you recognize that. I can remember times sitting, doing homework at the, the table having conversations with friends, with family members, playing board games. And even today, Misty and I keep up the tradition because we both came from families that sit around the tables. Every time we go to our parents' house, we sit around the table. 
or at our house, and if many of you have been there, we sit around our table a lot of times for meals, and we play board games around our tables and stuff like that. In fact, we have two tables. Just in case we have too many to fit at one, we, we can expand out to another table. I believe in the ministry of table fellowship. Jesus believed in the ministry of table fellowship. So it's a biblical command for us to use our homes and use food because I don't know about you, but I eat all the time. How many of you eat? How many of you are probably going to leave here and go eat? You're qualified for table fellowship. All right? You don't have to, it's not spiritual or anything like that. If you're going to eat, you have the ability to do table fellowship. You don't even need a table. It's just easier when you have a table for everybody to sit around. You can do it on a couch around your living room with little table trays or whatever it takes. But the idea is community and for us to reach out and not wait for people to invite themselves over to our house. Because as Christians, we should be the going out and reaching people. Christ did it. He never once invited somebody to come back to his home. He didn't even have a home to invite people back to. He invited himself to other people's homes. In fact, Zacchaeus, really look at him, and, and he's like, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. How many times have you sung that song? And you think, I will never invite my... Uh, Joe, I'm coming to eat at your house today, right? I, you just don't do those kind of things. Jesus did. He's bold. But that's what it takes. It takes us being bold. It takes us reaching out and seeing a neighbor who's struggling and says, hey, do you want to come over and eat? Or can we get together and do a crawfish boil? You know, and if y'all are a little further out, maybe it's a barbecue, but around here it's crawfish, right? It would do what, pizza? And I like pizza too. Yeah? Hey, I, I'm all for pizza parties, and we do that plenty over at the refuge too. I, I mean, whatever it takes to get people to sit around, because food is a common element that's easy to bond over. It doesn't matter if, if you're sitting down with an enemy, somebody who disagrees with you, somebody who loves you, you both need to eat. There's a common connection and reminder that we're both human and we have basic needs. That's why most of your, your, your big events that happen in history happen around a dinner table. A lot of the Bible happens around tables and eating because it's a common connector of humanity. And I want to challenge you today to be thinking about those who you can invite into your home, those you can invite into your backyard to have a meal and begin discussions about your love and passion for Jesus Christ. And it may take two, you may not do it the first meal. Invite them back for a second. Now you've bridged the gap and you can have them over again. And then talk about your passion, what you're doing this weekend. Great way to any conversation is, you know, this weekend at church, I learned something awesome. This weekend at church, so-and-so said something and it really meant, you know, you use your experiences to share your love to others about Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles, I want to challenge you to open, I, mean, I want to ask you to open up to Luke 14. Um, actually, just kind of Luke. Uh, 14 is kind of where we're going to center around. Uh, but all throughout Luke, um, we're, we're going to be looking at it. The, um, in looking at our nation, I, I don't think anybody would disagree that we are very divided. We're divided over race, over religion. We're divided between ages. We're divided by finances. We're divided by politics. Can you think of anything that we are united against? Honestly, in our nation, you never hear about groups coming together to work on an issue. All you hear is about how they're fighting against each other. 
And as a church, although this is a terrible time in our nation, the history of our nation, to be this divided, it's a wonderful opportunity for our church. Yeah. I want to hear, <laughs> pay attention to that. It's horrible for the nation, but it's wonderful for us. The reason why is because as a church in this community, we offer the band-aid of uniting people together. The, the medicinal salve of bringing groups. You look around and, and, you know, we have diversity here, whether it's ages, races, uh, politics, um, finances, or, or whatever else. Where else but in a church can you be united for one thing, regardless of who you are? No other organization offers that. And so as a church, we have a great opportunity to reach out to Broussard, Louisiana, and the rest of the world to say, come and be loved on, because we love God and we love one another. But it takes us loving on one another, not waiting for them to come in and receive it. We have to be proactive in that. So keep that in mind as we're talking about this. At the regroup conference yesterday that we went to, and for those of y'all who, who weren't able to go, I'll be honest, you missed a great conference. Uh, for those who went, talked to them about it, because there were some amazing speakers, and I walked, I, I walked out of there like ready to, to, to just tackle ministry. The worship was amazing. The, uh, the speakers were engaging. In fact, one of my, my favorite quotes, and I don't know if I'm going to quite say it right, but the guy said, personal discipleship does not begin until... Our personal discipleship doesn't begin until you have an interruption of personal convenience. Which means that you can't grow as a disciple until you decide that your convenience needs to go. Your comfort needs to go. You will not grow as a Christian. I thought, man, that's, a, that's powerful. And that's what I'm asking you today. You're going to have to get out of some of your comfort zones. And you're going to have to minister and reach across a dinner table to people you may not be comfortable with. People you may not have normally invited over. Because it's easy to invite church members, right? People in our Sunday school class. It's easy to invite maybe our neighbor we've known for 40 years. Take it a step further. Invite somebody who you'd never invite. I, the kids are talking about at school, you know. But schools are always real big about cliques. You have your sports clique. You have your, your, um, your emo clique. You have your... Uh, the weird click, or yeah, I mean, it's it, you, you have all these groups. I'm always like, you need to reach across lines. Be uncomfortable. Go talk to somebody you wouldn't normally talk to. I'm telling you that. Go talk to somebody you wouldn't normally talk to. Maybe you have a neighbor you can't stand. Invite them over for dinner, right? That, that's what we're asking. Get uncomfortable, because I guarantee you, it'll pay huge amounts for the kingdom, and that's what we need to be sold out for. We shouldn't worry about our comfort. Take up your cross daily. Is that, that's what that means. Don't be comfortable. Get ready to get out there and do whatever it takes to benefit the kingdom and not our own personal comforts. Here in this church, be willing to step out and do things that aren't comfortable so we can benefit the kingdom. The Lord is calling you to ministries here that we need you to step up for. We need people to open doors. That's an easy task. We need people to sit at a desk and welcome children and young families in. We need people to come paint. We need people to just love on other people. God is calling you, and some of you aren't stepping up. You're Jonah running from what God is calling you to do. And that's in our young adult class. If you haven't uh, heard about it, we're, we're, we're kicking off our young adult ministry again and, and revamping the class and everything. If you know some young adults or you are a young adult, come on out. 
Let's have some fun together. So as we look this week at table ministry, um, like I said, I pointed you to um, the Gospel of Luke. And Luke is a great one because um, Jesus pretty much eats his way through the Gospel. The New Testament scholar, I'll make sure I get his name right. Uh, oh, Robert Karras. He said, in Luke's gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal or coming from a meal. It, it's all over. In fact, uh, in Luke chapters 5 and 19, Jesus is eating with sinners and tax collectors. In chapters 7, 11, and 14, he's eating with Pharisees, lawyers, right? There's even a parable in 14, and that's uh, uh, where we are, is... Uh, about a banquet, a, a huge meal. Luke 9, 10, 22, and 24, he eats with his disciples and other followers. Jesus ate a lot. I also use this to believe that he was probably Southern Baptist. You know, because he was at a meal, he was ready for potluck, dinner on the grounds, whatever it took. Jesus was there. And if we get nothing else right as Southern Baptists, we have gotten that right when it comes to following Jesus Christ. You know, this reminds me of a story, uh, the idea that food connects us, is uh, there was a lady who made some food for our family at church, and uh, she prayed over it, you know, asked, and then asked the kids if they would like to, uh, to pray or thank God, you know, while they were there, and a three-year-old steps up and solemnly says, thank you, God, that we didn't give them all of our food, okay? Even at three, we recognize the need for food when we're connecting. Food is a great uniter. <clears throat> In, um, in Luke chapter 14, we see Jesus eating with Pharisees and sinners, and, and there's, uh, well, with the Pharisees and all, and then a lady comes up, and, and I'm sorry, a man who needs healing comes up, and the story starts, shouldn't forget my Bible, looks bad for a pastor. Luke chapter 14. Would you go ahead and stand as we, I'm going to read through parts of this. One Sabbath, when he went in to eat, you heard that? When he went in to eat, at the house of one of the leading Pharisees, they were watching him closely. There in front of him was a man whose body was swollen with fluid. In response, Jesus asked the law experts and the Pharisees, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they kept silent. He took the man, healed him, and sent him away. And to them he said, Which of you whose son or ox falls into a well will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could find no answer to these things. Then he tells a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they would choose the best places for themselves. When you're invited by someone to a wedding banquet, don't recline at the best place because a more distinguished person, distinguished person than you may have been invited by your host. The one who invited both of you may come and say to you, give your place to this man. And then in humiliation, you will proceed to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and recline in the lowest place so that when the one who invited you comes, he will say to you, friend, move up higher. You will then be honored in the presence of all the other guests for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. What a great passage around a dinner table using the symbolism of a dinner table. Turn over to Luke 6. Sorry, Luke 5, verse 27. 
After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So leaving everything behind, he got up and began to follow him. Then Levi hosted a grand banquet for him at his house. Now there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others who were guests with him, but the Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus replied to them, It is not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. If you would look over at Luke 9 real quick. uh, Verse 10. When the disciples returned, they reported to Jesus all that they had done. He took them along and withdrew privately to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds found out they followed him, he welcomed them, spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and healed those who needed healing. Late in the day, the twelve approached, and he said to him, Send the crowd away so that we can go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find food. And it goes on that they're in a deserted place, and they want some place. They, they're hungry. So he tells his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. They did what he said and had them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them. He kept giving them to the disciples to set before the crowd. Everyone ate and was filled. They picked up 12 baskets of leftover pieces. You may be seated. Food is used throughout the Bible as a connector. In the Old Testament, you see things like uh, Esther, who goes before the king and invites him to a meal so she can talk to him about her issue. Abraham, when the angel, or when the, uh, the angel of the Lord comes, he invites him to a meal so that they can sit down. And uh, It's a story of Sarah's preparing the meal for them to eat, and she laughs when talked about having a baby, and she's like 90 years old, right? But it's over a meal that that happens. Uh, Psalm 23.5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Isaiah 25.6, talking about the coming day of the Lord, Isaiah writes, On this mountain the Lord of armies will prepare for all the peoples a feast of choice meats, a feast with aged wine, prime cuts of choice meat and vintage wine. Food is how the Lord speaks to us. And on a side note, The getting rid of food is often how we have to listen to him when we fast, right? Because it's easy to focus on the food and the blessing rather than hearing his voice. But God uses table to bring people together, even from the beginning. And as you saw in Luke in the New Testament, Jesus continued that process as he connected with people. And we didn't even hit all of the other examples. Right now I want to talk about three ways that people use the ta- that Jesus used the table to reach people. Our first one was that he connected with those who wanted to know more about God. So we read about his disciples and the feeding of the 5,000, and you have the Lord's Supper, the other story where they're sitting around and having the Passover meal. Jesus uses those times to teach, to instruct, to do miracles, to, to get his people to understand a little bit more about who he is. And if we want to follow in that example, then... We need to invite those who are interested and maybe want to know a little bit more. So we do great about having lunches and and dinners here and getting together as a class, but I want to challenge you to make it more personal and you personally invite somebody else to come eat. 
Because, and many of you know, the conversation at a potluck's different from the, pot, the conversation at a class dinner, and it's different from a conversation between your family and somebody else's. You can talk about different things. You can share your hopes and passions and the things that you love, whether it's cars or fishing or Jesus Christ, in ways that you can't do as a class. And people are hungry to hear about why you love the Lord. People want to know why this Jesus Christ stands out and is so important to you that you give up a Sunday morning instead of cutting your grass or working or doing something else to be here and worship him. And they need to hear that from your lips, why that's important. I also want to challenge you in that it's probably the best way to reach family members who may not care about Jesus Christ. To invite other believers into your home so you can have conversations with them about Jesus Christ in front of those who may not come into a church setting or a Sunday school class or a church or a class dinner. To sit down and have a fellow Christian who loves Jesus Christ and you can talk about it in the hearing of maybe kids who need to hear about it, a spouse, a cousin, family member. You want to become a witness to your family? Invite fellow Christians to the next time your family gets together to something. And be intentional. Say, let's talk about Jesus Christ in front of them in a way that, that sounds real and is exciting. It's okay to do that, to be intentional. But that's table fellowship. And that's you being intentional about reaching out and using your table to tell a story of somebody coming to Jesus Christ. Um, the other way to do it is maybe to reach a neighbor. Invite him over to something that is going on, especially if they have a similar interest. Like I said, food's always a similar interest, but maybe a neighbor who doesn't know the Lord. Invite them over to an intimate group of you and maybe one other family. One, it gives them a connection to somebody else in the church so that if they ever do visit, they're not walking in without knowing somebody. Now they know you and somebody else in the church. See, we have to be smart about how we are getting Jesus' name out. And it's not just going to happen just the casual mention, oh, I love Jesus Christ, and I hope other people do too. We have to be intentional. We have to be purposeful in what we're doing. And using a meal to do that is perfectly okay. Other people that Jesus reached was those who disagreed with him. This gets a little harder to do. But in a nation where we're divided over so many different things, it speaks a lot if you invite somebody who disagrees with you to come and have a meal. Because it says you're open to hearing what they have to say. You don't have to agree with it. You don't think that Jesus wasn't worried, or at least wasn't aware, that the Pharisees disagreed with him? I even love how in 14, uh, that very first passage... One Sabbath, when he went in to eat at the house of one of the leading Pharisees, they were watching him closely. He understood what was going on. He knew they wanted to trap him. They wanted to see how he was going to react on the Sabbath. It didn't stop him from going eat. It didn't stop him from connecting or sharing his beliefs, sharing why he thought his way was right and theirs was, was wrong. We're afraid, though. We're afraid that if we, if we engage with someone that we disagree with, their arguments are going to be so much smarter and better, or it's just going to 
devolve into anger and, and yelling at each other. But if you approach it with the desire to be a Christian witness and you give it all to Jesus Christ, he'll help you out. That's why we have the Holy Spirit with us, to cover over the faults and flaws that we have in ourselves, the fears of being able to reach out. See, Jesus ate with Pharisees. Now, these are church people. These are people who know Scripture, who know every way that you can fall and not be close to God. And he ate with them saying, y'all are focused on the wrong thing. You're focused on all your actions when you need to have a love for, for God. A passion for who he is and what he wants to do. And he wasn't shy about sharing it with them. Even to the point of sharing a parable and teaching and being able to use their circumstances right there to illustrate how to be a better follower of God. So who in your life are the ones who disagree with you? Who are the ones you need to invite that, that don't share your ideals? That may be a family member. It may be somebody different culturally than you. You can't understand why y'all don't see eye to eye on things. It may be a coworker that you just butt heads with over ideologies, over worldviews, over the way you perceive how to raise kids. It can be easy things. It doesn't have to be big, monumental disagreements. But you use those as opportunities to bring Jesus Christ out. The same way that Jesus used those opportunities and the disagreements to talk about who God was and why following him a certain way was important. Why it mattered. So think for a second about those who you disagree with or who disagree with you. My hope is somebody popped into your head right away. And I want you to begin praying for opportunities for table fellowship to happen. Third one might be the most difficult, and he connected with those who were seen as unworthy of salvation. Now, we're good Christians, and none of you would ever say, no one deserves salvation. In your words and in your mind, you know that everybody deserves um, a chance to accept Jesus Christ, right? But I want to challenge you, what does your attitude say? What do your actions say? This is the hardest because this is the ones that we disagree with the most. And Jesus ate with tax collectors. These were enemies of the state. People hated these guys. They were the ones that when Jesus sat with them, they're like, why is your teacher hanging out with those people? These are the people that will ruin your reputation by being seen with them. You know, it popped in my head thinking about years ago, and, and some of you may not remember, but um, Dennis Rodman was a, he was out there, but he was a well-known basketball player. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, it seemed like he is eating a meal and visiting the leader, Kim Jong-un, and I don't know if I said that right, but uh, of North Korea. Now, at the time, North Korea is our, you know, in a sense, our hated enemy. And why in the world would a well-known basketball player go and visit with him? I, man, I'm not, like, big on being, like, you know, oh, wow, great stars and stuff like that. that. That's not my thing. But I can have a respect for somebody who plays the game well and do things like that. And I was one, I could respect his athletic ability and that he had influence over those who watched him and liked him. 
my first thought was, man, he's ruined so many things in his life by siding with North Korea over America. Right? Many of you who remember that moment probably had the same thoughts. That's what Jesus did. He sat down with people who everybody else hated, didn't think were worthy of Jesus' time and attention. He sat down with tax collectors who stole from the Jewish people and were seen as Roman agents. He sat down with prostitutes, adulterers, those who struggled with addictions and got drunk, lepers who were shunned from the community. And at every instant, he was questioned, why would he do that? This may be the gay couple across the road from you that you need to invite over for dinner and have a conversation with. This might be the person who's come in here a few times and struggled with addictions, and you can't understand why they just can't get their life straight. And every time they walk in, you don't go talk to them because they're not worth your time. It may be the woman who walks in dressed to little clothing and you just can't understand why in the house of Jesus Christ you're going to wear something like that, right? Or the husband who runs around on his wife and you can't understand why he's acting that way. Cheating in business. Hitting a little close to home, but these are the people that Jesus reached out to that we too need to invite to our table. Because we are called to go out. If you look over at Luke chapter 10, verse 2, Jesus tells them the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. And catch that, to send out workers. Not to have people here when they come to our doorstep. To send out workers into the harvest. The harvest isn't here and it's never going to be here. Sundays ought to be the time when we come and celebrate everything that happened during the week together as believers. You ought to come here ready to worship God because you saw his power this last week and what he's done in your life. And if you are coming here on a Sunday to be fed, you're coming for the wrong reasons. Because you should come on a Sunday to celebrate and glorify what Jesus Christ has done because the church can't feed you. Only Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit throughout your week can feed you. Sunday mornings is not about what you get. It's about how we celebrate a God who loves us so much, he's willing to eat with the hated, the disagreeers, and those who are willing to follow. So my challenge to us today to start, especially as we're looking at our 60th and how we can better be a church in Broussard, Louisiana, is who are we going to invite to our table? As we close out, I want you to be thinking about those three groups of people. As we have our time of invitation, maybe you have heard all this and you want to have that meal with Jesus Christ. And you recognize that, that you want that fellowship, that, that, that relationship with him that's so intimate, it's like eating a meal together. And I want to challenge you during our invitation time, come on up, talk to Pastor Moke or I, and, and let us know that you're interested in that. That's not many of you here, though. For many of you, somebody popped up into your head that you need to reach out to. And I want to challenge you to come up and pray over them. I want you to to step out, and I want you to boldly come and pray for that person. 
pull one of us aside or just come pray at the altar and pray over that person, that couple, that situation of how you can be a better table fellowship ministry person. It's not an official term. I haven't coined it yet. Who is it that God is calling you to reach out to right now? Because I guarantee you with a little prayer and a little stepping out of your comfort, you're going to have a huge impact on their life. This is Pastor Moke again. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this sermon. Maybe something you've heard of the message or read of the notes has challenged your thinking about your faith. If so, our staff is here to help in whatever way we can. Or if you prefer, check out the Faith Life tab located on our homepage at www.fbcbroussard.com. There you can find answers about salvation, spiritual growth, and getting plugged into a local church. And don't forget to check out the other sermons in this series as well. May God bless you.